You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. James chapter 4 in your Bibles, and I want you to notice, I'm not going to preach the whole chapter, but this chapter is so, so rich. I would encourage you this afternoon or uh, tomorrow when you get a chance, I'd encourage you to read this chapter and just give some time and thought uh, to these truths. It says in verse number uh, 1, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members, ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Now that word lust in James chapter 4 is not necessarily a bad thing, sometimes it has that connotation, uh, but a lust is a desire. Uh, it is something you want, it is a craving. Many of you woke up this morning with a craving for coffee, and uh, you fulfilled that craving. Uh, some of you woke up this morning, and you had a, a, a craving for a bowl of cereal, or maybe uh, some oatmeal, or maybe some French toast, or whatever you like. But there's nothing wrong with those kinds of cravings, those kinds of desires. But the Bible says that sometimes people have such a desire that they're willing to hurt somebody. They're willing to fight. They're willing to kill. They're willing to do whatever they can. And then James shifts gears and he says, oh, by the way, you've got things that you want. You've got things that you desire. And he said this, the reason you don't have those things is because you don't ask. Well, what does Jesus say in Matthew 7? Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. That's what prayer is, friend. Prayer is asking God, and the answer to prayer is when we receive those things that we ask for. I'm glad God still answers prayer. That didn't end in Revelation. That didn't end uh, with the, the, the apostles. Prayer is something that still works today, and God still hears and answers prayer. But James says this, there are many things that you don't have because you never ask. And then he goes on to say in verse 3, sometimes the problem is not that we don't ask. Sometimes the problem is that we ask, but we ask amiss. And here's what he says, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Sometimes our prayer is, Lord, give me that $100,000 because I got a lot of plans for that. Well, that's asking, but that's asking for the wrong reason. How many of you know that? What about this? What if we pray, Lord, uh, would you give me, and you could put in a dollar amount, would you give me this much so I could give that much to missions? Ooh. I'd say, wait a minute. Is that how we're supposed to pray? Absolutely. We're supposed to pray not according to our will, but according to God's will. If you had $100,000, you'd probably blow it on something, right? I'd probably blow it on something. But if we prayed for God to help us that we might be able to, uh, to, to send more missionaries or to, to reach more people with the gospel or to print Bibles or whatever it may be, that'd be a prayer asking in the will of God. Again, I'm not saying you can't pray for things that you need. And God certainly is able to hear and he's able to answer and meet our needs. But sometimes we ask for things that are not God's will. We just ask for things that are our will. And James says you ask amiss. Verse number four, James says that uh, we should understand 
that friendship with the world is enmity with God. You can't have it both ways. You're either a friend of God and an enemy of the world, or you're a friend of the world and an enemy of God, but you can't do both at the same time. And many times as Christians, we try to straddle that fence, don't we? Sometimes we come to church on Sundays, and we want to act like uh, one way, and then we want to go uh, Monday through Saturday, and we want to act a different way. I'm just saying this, you can't live at church, but you ought to be a Christian 24-7. Every day is not Sunday, but every day ought to be a day that we live for God and seek to please Him. Verse number 6, James reminds these folks that that he's writing to, Christian people. He says in verse 6, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. That word resist, you say, well, I thought God is love, and I thought God is merciful, and he is those things. But that word resist is literally to, to push back. I always imagine a football player. You see those football players running like a freight train, and somebody comes to try to tackle them, and what do they do? They, they, they push them off. They'll, they'll give them the stiff arm. Uh, they'll try to keep them from getting to them and, and tackling them, and so they'll resist the defender. Well, friend, first of all, I'm glad I'm not out on those football fields because I think I would be in the hospital, you know, when you see those guys coming. But I don't ever want to have pride so that when I come to God in prayer, God cannot answer that prayer, but rather God has to push back and say, oh, no, no, you're not ready. You're not humble. Uh, You're coming in pride. You're asking things for yourself. Uh, you're, you're, You're wanting everybody to think that you're something That's not why we were created. We were created to bring glory to him. And then God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Uh, You're no match for the devil. I'm no match for the devil. But aren't you glad that God is able to give us victory over the devil? And we yield to God and we resist the devil. We, 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 We don't try to fight the devil. We stay away from the devil the Bible says when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Verse number eight, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Aren't you glad when we come by faith and when we come in humility, aren't you glad that God's arms are stretched out wide open? He wants to receive you. He wants to receive me. He wants to draw nigh to us. And when you make the move and you draw nigh to God, oh, I'm so glad he meets us halfway. I'm glad he comes to where we are. I'm glad that our God is a God of love and our God is a God of mercy when we humble ourselves and say, God, I need you. I don't know about you, but I think we're all going to need some grace this week. I think we're all going to need some help from God this week. And so let's draw nigh to him so that he will draw nigh to us. Verse 10, James says we should humble ourselves in the sight of God and he will lift us up. You don't have to promote yourself. You don't have to tell everybody how great you are. You don't have to uh, seek for the prestige and the position. Just let God take care of that. God has a way of exalting you far better than you could ever exalt yourself. But if you'll humble yourself, if you'll lower yourself, God has promised that he will lift you up. Verse 11, verse number 12, uh, James warns about speaking evil of one another. You know, and then he also talks about judging people. Did you know that 
People are going through things that you and I have no idea what they're going through. Sometimes we, we like to be the judge. We think we're the expert. Oh, I'll tell you why they did that. It's because blah, blah, blah. You don't know. I don't know. Only God knows. But maybe when you see someone that does something or someone that's kind of going through a hard time and you don't know what's going on, rather than speaking evil about them, maybe it'd be good to encourage them. Maybe it'd be good to pray for them. Maybe it'd be good to say, you know, I really don't know what they're going through and so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to try to be a blessing, but I certainly don't want to tear somebody down. I don't want to kick them while they're down. I want to help to raise the fallen and lift up those that are broken. But then we get to verse 13, and I want to for a few minutes. I want to focus on these verses, verses 13 through 17. James speaks under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and will continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then it vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good... And doeth it not, to him it is sin. Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts these few moments. Give us what we need. Thank you for the great music we've heard this morning from the choir and from congregational. I thank you so much for the special music from Brother Fry. I thank you for his testimony we heard in Sunday school. And Lord, I thank you for the work you did in the early service. But Lord, we come to you now at this time and in this place. And we ask that you would give us what we need from the word of God. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak to every heart. I pray for those that are watching the service online, those that are listening by way of radio. We know that your word is not bound. We know that your word is not limited. And we know that your power can touch each and every heart and each and every life. And I pray that you would give us something special from your word that would help us and change us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our theme for the year, it's on the banners, our theme is living for eternity. For a few minutes this morning... I'd like to preach on this subject, and that is preparing for eternity. Many times we, we, don't, we don't prepare for things. Many times we, we find ourselves in the middle of something and say, man, I wish I would have been prepared for this. Well, I don't want to stand before the judgment seat unprepared. I want to stand before God, and I want to say, I have done my best to prepare for that day. Number one, I see in this passage, there are plans for life. It says in verse 13, you better watch out. When you say today or tomorrow, we're going to go into such and such a city and we're going to buy and we're going to sell and we're going to get some gain. Now, those are not bad plans. As a matter of fact, that's good business, right? You want to say, hey, we're going to buy some things. We're going to sell some things. We're going to make some money. We're going to make a living. Nothing wrong with that. Now, that's actually a good thing. But here's the warning that James gives. He says, you don't know what's happening tomorrow. You don't know what's coming tomorrow. And if you make plans and say, this is my goal, and this is my dream, and this is my aspiration, and I'm going to do it tomorrow, well, you may not get tomorrow. Because the Bible says our life is as a vapor. It is so short. Proverbs 27, the warning is given, boast not thyself of tomorrow, 
for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We must be careful with the plans that we make because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We also need to be careful with the plans we make because sometimes our plans are not the best. Brother Fry sang that song this morning. I didn't ask him to sing it, but I'm so glad he did. The Father has a perfect plan for your life. God has a plan for you, and God has a plan for me. Let me tell you what my plans were. When I was in K4 or K5 and in school, they'd ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, well, of course, that's easy. I want to be a cowboy. Because I had a cowboy hat at home. I had the holster. I had the, I had the cap guns. You know the ones with the, the paper rolls that you snap them and they'd make the noise and the smoke would come out. I just thought that was the coolest thing. And so, hello, I mean, what am I going to be? What else would I want to be? I'm going to be a cowboy. Well, how many of you know that didn't work out? I found out that the only horse I can ride is the one they used to have outside of Walmart where you put the quarter in. The other horses, I don't ride. I don't do well. And my wife's got a story about that. When she, she's a, she used to ride horses all the time, and we tried that for a date. It didn't go very well. But praise the Lord, we still got married, and everything worked out. Well, then I was in elementary, and I started playing sports. And, oh, I love sports. My dad, we used to play sports a lot. We didn't hunt and fish and all that, but we loved playing sports. And I remember thinking, you know, I'd love to play sports. Wouldn't that be great? Can you imagine playing basketball for a living? Shooting hoops and they're paying you big bucks to do it? Oh, I'd watch uh, when I was in the, uh, growing up in the 90s. The Chicago Bulls, of course, that was the era with Michael Jordan. And you'd see him making all these shots and all these highlights. And so I'd be out in the backyard. We had a, a, a paved concrete area there with a basketball hoop. And I'd be practicing all those fadeaways and all those slam dunks. Well, no, I wasn't practicing slam dunks. But, you know, I was imagining the slam dunks and all that. Well, in case you're wondering for the rest of the story, I didn't make it to the NBA. That did not work out for many, many reasons, Okay. But that would have been my plan. Well, guess what? God had a better plan. And God's got a plan for you, and God has a plan for me. When I was a teenager, I remember the big thing for a while was that people would have these T-shirts. And these T-shirts would say, life is basketball, or life is football, or life is hunting, or life is fishing, or whatever. And, and I, don't, I think it was just a fad, but I remember seeing those shirts and I remember thinking about that, you know, what if I had to sum up my life in one word? What if I had to say, my life is, and if I had to fill in that blank, I wonder for you, what would that word be? Could you say that your life is all about Christ? That's what Paul said in Philippians. He said, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I was looking up some of those shirts. I was trying to find those because I know when I was a teenager, they were everywhere. You, you can't find that particular thing, but you can custom make anything. I, I Googled uh, uh, T-shirts, life is whatever. And one of the top uh, hits that came up was, life is too short to drive boring cars. And I immediately sent it to Brother Dan and Miss Kelly. I sent it to both of them. One of them liked it, one didn't. But... But can I tell you, I was thinking about that, oh, that's so funny, and you know, whatever. But I thought, you know, life is too short to live for yourself, 
Life is too short to waste it on things that don't matter. Life is too short to be bitter and, and to be angry. And life is, is too short to, to, to live for self and live for pleasure. Life is too short to do anything except to live in preparation for eternity. Revelation 4. The Bible tells us our purpose. Number one, we see the plans for life. But secondly, we see the purpose for our existence. The purpose for our existence is that we were created for God's glory. We were created for God's pleasure. We were not created to do our own thing. The Bible says you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. God has a plan for you. God's plan for your life is always better than your plan. We must place our life in his hand and trust him and follow him. You say, but pastor, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Me neither. But I know somebody who does know what's going to happen tomorrow. I know somebody who's got tomorrow in his hand and someone who is in control. And you and I today, our plans for life need to be put in the hands of God. And our purpose for existence is to say, Lord, my life belongs to you. You are the one that is in control. I see not only the plans for life, I see the purpose for our existence, but thirdly, I see the passing of time. It says in verse number 14, for what is your life? Well, what is your life all about? What is it that really matters in your life? What is it that consumes your schedule? What is it that takes up all of your focus and all of your attention? What is your life? And then James says this, he says, you want to know what your life is, it's like a vapor, a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then it vanisheth away. I used this illustration, I know I used this illustration eight years ago and I think Brother Nathan has used it once since then and maybe it was a teen meeting, but I got a spray bottle here and that word vapor in James 4.14 is literally the word mist and I think this is such a powerful picture because James says your life on earth is like a mist. It's like a vapor. It appears for just a little while and it's gone. I've got the spray bottle and I think with the lights I think you'll be able to see it. But what's amazing about it is that you can see it but then it's gone. It's there and then it's not. And after the service, you can come and you can look all over this platform and you can try to find a trace or try to find an evidence and you will not find it because this mist is just there for a moment. It's gone. James says, that is what your life is like on earth. But can I tell you, your life after this earth is not a mist. Life after this earth is forever. You see, you will only live on this earth for a little while. And whether you live for 20 years on this earth or you live for 120 years on this earth, what matters is not the quantity of life, but what matters is the quality. What matters is what you do with your life. What, ma what matters is what you do with the time that God has given you. My wife's grandfather used to often say that the years have a way of slipping by. And is that not so true? 
my girls, Lacey and Savannah and I, we went yesterday, we went to Liberty Commons. We have Miss uh, Judy Mabry is there. I hope you pray for Miss Judy. Uh, Miss uh, Edith Routon and Miss Tevi Medlin, those three are all at Liberty Commons. I don't know how old Miss Judy is. I know she's not as old as uh, Miss Edith and Miss Tevi, but Miss Edith just celebrated in the fall, she celebrated her 95th birthday. Miss Tivy is 99 years old. But you know what's amazing? When you talk to those ladies, life has gone so quickly. Life is still, it's so short, it's so, it's so brief. Remember, remember Miss Mamie Pearson, that used to sit right up here on the front row. Miss Mamie lived to be 102, and even when you would talk to her when she was that age, she was still, she was so sharp, and boy, she could remember things like it was yesterday. And, and she would not have felt like Life had taken a long time. Now, she was ready to meet the Lord and all that stuff. But it doesn't matter how long you live. Life goes quickly. I've had a lot of people over these last 10 years that have told me, they said, Pastor, just wait. The older you get, the faster it goes. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure I can handle it going much faster because it's already going fast. But there is the passing of time. Life is so short. That's why the Bible tells us we must redeem the time. We've got to make every day count. Brother uh, David and Miss Jen and Brother Nathan sang it a week ago, that song, To Count for Jesus. I want my life to count for him. I want to make the time I have matter for something that truly has value. There's the passing of time. But then lastly, I see in this passage, there must be preparation for eternity. It says in verse 15, for that ye ought to say, here's what you should say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings and all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Here's what we're supposed to do. Not say, Here's my plan. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's where I... No, no. What we ought to say is, Lord, where do you want me to go? Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, who do you want me to talk to? God, what do you want for my life? If you will, then that's what I want, Lord. And then verse number 17. For all of us in this room, here's a sobering reminder. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good... And doeth it not, to him it is sin. You see, the Christian life is not just having a lot of rules that say, I don't, I don't kill people. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. Thank the Lord. Makes me feel a little bit better. Well, I don't murder people, and I don't steal stuff, and I don't, no, no, no. That, the Christian life, of course you shouldn't do that stuff. I mean, that's a no-brainer. But here's the question. What do you do? What are the good things that you do? What are the things that God has placed on your heart? What are the things that you are obeying? What are the good things right now that you could say, this week, if God gives me another week, here's the things I want to do for God. Here's the things I want to do for eternity. Here's the things that I want to do that would please the Lord. There must be preparation for eternity. Brother Daniel, if you'll help me with, with this, you helped me this morning and you did a great job and I, it took me a few hours this week to train him for this illustration. No, no, we didn't, we didn't even talk about it. You know how to do it, brother. Just keep going. This is the other illustration. I used this eight years ago 
uh, in January when we had our, our theme was redeeming the time in 2016. And uh, I used this rope then, and to me, it's just, it's so, it's so convicting. Because this is a 50-foot rope, but what you can't see very well, hold it up there, Daniel, at the end. At the end of Daniel's side there, there is a piece of red duct tape. See, most of us rednecks, we didn't know there was anything fancy like red duct tape. We just know the good old gray. But there's red duct tape you can get. And there's two inches of red duct tape at the end of this long white rope. And we're going to say that that red is representative of your life on earth. The Bible says that we live perhaps three score and ten years. That would be 70. Or if by reason of strength, maybe four score, 80 years, maybe. But we'll say 70 years. If that red represents your life on earth, if that represents 70 years... That means that every inch of this rope is 35 years. This rope, 50-foot rope, would equal, if every inch is 35 years, this rope would equal 21,000 years. Now, we're not going to live that long down here, but we're going to live a lot longer than that somewhere. Because if this were to be an accurate illustration, then this rope would never end. This rope would go around the globe and just keep on going because eternity has no end. It's hard to understand that. It's hard to comprehend that, isn't it? But the Bible says that when we die, we will spend eternity in one of two places, either heaven or hell. And you see, after we die, we no longer have the opportunity to determine where we will spend eternity. Because what we do with Jesus Christ in that red, in our life, what we do with Christ in the red determines where we will spend eternity. And how we live for Christ in the red is going to determine not where, but how we will spend eternity. So here's my question for you this morning. As we're talking about preparing for eternity, you and I in this room right now, those that are watching and listening, we're still in the red. We're still in our life. We're still in our window that we get to make decisions and we get to make choices. So the first thing is you've got to decide what are you going to do with Jesus? And you can either receive him or you can reject him, but it's your choice. And what you decide to do with Jesus determines where you will spend eternity. If you receive Christ, the Bible says you have a home in heaven. A mansion in heaven with Jesus Christ for all of eternity where there's no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. What a wonderful place. But the Bible says for those that reject Christ, there's only one place that they can go. And that's called hell, the lake of fire. God never intended for you to go to hell. God never intended for anyone to go to hell. That was created for Satan. That was created for the angels that rebelled against God. That's why God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and to pay the price so that you wouldn't have to go to hell, but you could have eternity in heaven. But God's not going to make you choose him. That's your choice. God's not going to twist your arm. God's not going to force you. He's giving you free will. And so you get to decide, are you going to accept or reject Christ? But you got to make that choice while you're in the red, while you're in this, on this earth, in this life. 
So what you do with Christ determines where you spend eternity. And what you do in the red for Christ determines how you will spend eternity. It's pretty sobering, isn't it? To think that we've just got such a short time, just a little bit of time, that that little bit of time can make an eternal difference. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.